Dr. Mark Malone from Advanced Pain Care on how the spinal cord stimulator blocks pain signals, bringing patients relief at last. And we're able to tune this device to mimic that frequency and essentially block it. I've seen people shed tears of joy in the recovery room when they wake up from their light anesthesia and we turn this device on and they realize their back pain is gone. They cry for joy. Advanced Pain Care at 512-244-4272 or austinpaindoctor.com. They're live, local, and talking about the stories that matter to you. Share your opinions with Mark and Melinda at 512-836-0590. Now, here are Mark and Melinda. Great to have you with us. It is 503. Tiger is here producing. We're with you every weekday, 2 to 6, live and local. A mother and father in Indiana are hoping the United States Supreme Court will hear their case. Quick summary of what happened here. Their son started uh, saying, I want to be identified as a girl. These are devout Catholics. They said, uh, you were created by God. God created man and woman. And we're not going to refer to you by female names or pronouns. It ended up with someone reporting the parents Indiana Department of Child Services got involved. Courts got involved. Ultimately, custody of their son was taken away from these parents, and they were placed under a gag order by the Indiana Court of Appeals. You will not discuss gender identity with your own son when you have your very limited visitations with your own son. As I'm reading the story, and the courts in here several times said that they that there was no abuse or neglect by these parents um they said that the parents were fit but somehow they decided to still take this child away from them uh, the parents here said that in 2019 the kid came to them and said that they said that's we we think there's something more going on they thought there was other underlying mental health issues so they sought help for that turns out they were having a problem Uh, he wasn't eating the way he was supposed to and so the courts kind of use that as one of the reasons to listen he's got an eating disorder you're just making it worse because you want to agree to call him she turned out after they placed him in a transition affirming home his eating disorder got worse. Mm-hmm. And yet the courts are still standing by that this kid needs to be in a gender-affirming home and not with his parents. The state of Indiana began investigating the mother and father in 2021. So this has been going on for a number of years now. Here it is, 2024, and they still do not have custody of their own son. And they're asking the United States Supreme Court to hear their appeal. They filed the appeal on February 15th, asking the U.S. Supreme Court to get involved. Do we know what age the boy was? Melinda, it does not started? say. And and I've looked at three different articles. Uh, one article just says that five years ago is when he started saying that I want to transition, well, I want to dress like a girl and be referred to as a girl. I was asking... It, just because if it's an older child, five years, are they going to be an adult by the time the parents get mm-hmm. this all figured out? Mm-hmm. 
So we don't know yet uh, whether the U.S. Supreme Court will take up the case. Uh, Legal experts say the rest of this term is full. They've got all they can handle at the U.S. Supreme Court. So it may be next fall, that would be October of 24, when they start hearing more cases before they might hear arguments in this case. I just, it, it, I don't know how this happens when the courts are even saying he's, this, this kid's not being abused. The parents are doing everything that parents should do except for caving into calling him the pronoun he wants to be called. And I have not seen in any of these articles where he has been diagnosed as suffering from gender dysphoria. He may have been evaluated. It's just it's not addressed in any of these articles. I would think that would be a step they would take is have him go through extensive evaluations by psychiatrists. Well, and I wonder the courts, you know, they stuck their nose into this. Are they making sure that he's going to therapy or they just took him out of the parents home, placed him in one that says we'll go by whatever he tells us to go by. And that was the end of it. I get the impression that was the end of it. It says the court placed him in a gender-affirming home. And that's where he remains to this day. Now, the parents are saying that this is a uh, government challenge of our fundamental religious rights. We're devout Catholics. God created man and woman. Uh, It's a fundamental breach of our First Amendment right to freedom of speech because we're under a gag order not to discuss this with our own son. And it's an attack on parental rights. Mm -hmm. So they're saying, Supreme Court, there are three reasons why you need to step in and address this case for the good not only of our case, but other parents who are facing the same thing. Anybody moving forward. Yes, it is really unbelievable. The, the things we talk about on this show, I, it's just really unbelievable that this is this is happening. It, it really is. It, it's astonishing. The, these parents have to be just in a total state of shock. Loving parents, and now they're living under a court order that says you can only visit your own son under certain circumstances, the son you love your own flesh and blood. And I can't even imagine on top of that, the, the financial impact it has had to, to continue to try and fight because they have, they've taken it to a couple of different courts and now to try to get it up into the Supreme Court, that's a financial burden on them as well. Absolutely. You can weigh in with your thoughts, 512-836-0590 to join the discussion. Today in Kansas City, prosecutors announced that two adults have now been charged in connection with that deadly shooting at the Chiefs Super Bowl event in Kansas City. Here's Gene Peters-Baker, who is the county prosecutor for the Kansas City area. He is in custody and he faces the following charges. Murder in the second degree, felony murder, the underlying felony of unlawful use of a weapon. And this is, a, of course, an A felony, the highest charge that Missouri uh, has available, and it brings up to a life sentence. Yeah, and uh, law enforcement says these are not the two juveniles we've been hearing about. These are adults. They're totally separate, and apparently they are the ones that got into the argument that started all of this. Yeah, and both of them are being charged with a second-degree murder. And in some of the stories that I read, uh, one of the adults, they they were said to have gotten into a verbal confrontation, not 
have known each other before this time, but then chose to pull out guns and an- and mm. answer it that way. Um, so one of the adults that are charged was the first to pull out their gun, but the other adult that was a charged, it is said that it was his bullet that was the one that took the woman's life, the one, the woman that died there at that. So, but both of them were being charged with a second degree murder. Now, the two juveniles still charged with gun related offenses and resisting arrest last week. I have not seen if they're still in custody or if they were able to get out while they wait for this to to play out in court. They've been very quiet about the juveniles throughout this. Uh, the prosecutor that you just heard said, we're not finished. There may be other people who get charged in connection here. 512-836-0590. It's 511 now with Mark and Melinda. And now, back to the Mark and Melinda Show. Join the conversation at 512-836-0590. Roger is with us. He has some thoughts on the Indiana mother and father who are asking the U.S. Supreme Court to hear their case. Roger, good afternoon. How are you? Well, I listen to you guys every day, Mark. And, you know, the last few months I have just been getting more and more depressed. And it's not because of what you do. It's because of the way things are going. And my my opinion about this this thing up there is that the kid probably talked to some friend who told their parents about it, and their parents, you know, got involved and called the 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 woke brigade, and and uh, I think that's probably how this started, you know. Uh, but the thing is, this this stuff is a religion, you know. You look back at the history of so many of them, they were either, you know, it was a bunch of guys riding on swords or it was a bunch of guys, you know, using muskets on red people. But in any, in either event, it was, you know, this, this, you have to do this mentality, you know, or, or, or consequences will, will ensue. And they won't take any kind of rational debate or, or response to, to what they're doing. And, and, and I don't know how to deal with that. There, there had to be a more sensible way to handle this situation than just uh, take that child away from the parents and place them yeah. in someone else's custody. Yeah, you could say, listen, here's the agreement, parents. You have to take this child to this therapist uh, for however long it takes until... And you even have to do family therapy. I mean, there are so many things that you could yeah. do... That, there, it should have never even have arisen to the point that the courts say the child needs to be removed, especially when they say there's no abuse mm-hmm. taking place in this home. Yeah. Yeah. The only abuse is that he, they're violating the new religion. In many ways, it is tyrannical, isn't it, Roger? Yes. Roger, thank you. Have a good afternoon, sir. 512-836-0590. Melissa is on 183. Hello, Melissa. Welcome. How are you today? Hi, I'm very good. Thank you for taking my call. Yes, welcome aboard. What are your thoughts, Melissa? Well, for the last 15 years, I was an eighth grade teacher. I taught English and history for the last 10. And I had transgender students in my class every year, and I had um students that were gay or lesbian or whatever in my class and i can tell you after all those years 
the kids don't know. They flip-flop back and forth. I would do something where they'd have to raise their hands, this, that. We'd take polls, and sometimes they'd raise their hands one time, and another time they'd raise their hands something else, like if they wanted to be a boy or a girl. or. Um, but month to month, it would change. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I've got I've got a teenage niece and she says it's a week to week. You know, she goes, it's it's hard to keep up because they'll come and say they're this one week. And then the next week they've changed to something else. That's true. And I mean, it, it, even if they keep the same name and pronoun all year, I see their personalities slip back and forth by the way they act and, and the way they dress and just, not I'm not a parent, I'm an aunt, but having been in the school system and working, you know, from 8 in the morning until 4.15 in the afternoon with these children, putting them on hormones and all these things, it's just, I, it's just abuse to me because the kids don't know. How about we wait till they're 21 to decide? You can't drink until you're 21. Why should you be injected with all the stuff and trying to make up your mind? And they don't know. Mm-hmm. I've, I've had little girls want to be boys. I've had boys want to be girls. Sometimes by the end of the school year, they've flipped back three, four, maybe five times. Um, and I don't know. I feel for the parents in this situation, for the courts taking their kids away. To me, that's just ridiculous. But... You know, if the parent doesn't want to call their child she, that's something they need to work out in therapy between the parent and the child because he may not want to stay that way. But if he's forced into a family that only does that, maybe he feels he's trapped now. I mean, I've just seen these kids. They really don't know. And some of it really is a fad. The kids do it because then they get attention. It's just... It's just so sad. Melissa, did, did your school have a curriculum that talked about these issues a lot and encouraged kids to explore their gender identity and think about changing their gender identity? Actually, no. If we had, if I was one of those teachers that kids would come talk to me. Um, I've had some stuff going on in my life. I was always honest with the kids. And every year I had a kid come and tell me, I think I'm gay or I think I'm this. And I would say, well, those feelings are legitimate. You should talk to your parents and I'll let the counselor know. And then I would let the counselor know and send an email to the parents. And then it was out of my hands. I'm not going to touch that. That's not my job. And that needs to be handled between the parents and their kid. But I have had parents email me and say, please do not address my daughter with this name. And so I didn't. And I would just explain to the child that, you know, this is what your parent wants. And and no matter how you feel or they feel, they are your parents. And when you're 18, you can change your mind, but I'm going to do what your parent requests. Now, some parents wanted me to call them by the other name. So I made an effort to do that. Um, I can honestly say I always called them by the name they requested, so long as it was the parents okay, but I didn't pay attention to the pronouns because in my classroom, I would say ladies and gentlemen, and so if someone said, well, you're not using the pronoun they, and I said, ladies and gentlemen covers everybody, so if you're feeling like a girl, you're covered, and if you're feeling like a boy, you're covered, and I actually had a parent want a conference with me and the principal because she did not like that. 
Mm. Well, I, I think you were acting in the appropriate manner by keeping parents in the loop and adhering to their wishes. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's wrong when schools keep these things a secret from the parents. Well, I mean, at the end of the day, that's their child. They brought that child into the world, and until that child is 21, they, in my mind, they own that kid. <laughs> that's what I used to joke. It's with their my, responsibility, uh, for sure. Yes. Yeah that's, yeah, that's the parent's responsibility. They're raising that child. You know, when the child turns 18, if they don't like the way things are in the house, then they can legally leave. But, you know, that's that's your child. That's your rights to raise your, I mean, as long as there's no abuse. Right. But. Yes. All right. Melissa, thank you. Have a good afternoon. I, her saying that about she addresses them as um, ladies and gentlemen made me think of that memo that Blinken, uh, the Secretary of State Blinken just put out to all state departments, and he says you can't do that. You can't address them as that because people get upset. Yes. Yeah, this is Secretary of State Antony Blinken with a memo to all employees of the United States State Department. Uh, and and he is telling them, all right, from now on, you will avoid using phrases like brave men and women on the front lines. You will avoid manpower, you guys, ladies and gentlemen, mother, father, son, daughter, husband and wife. Those will all be avoided when you're speaking to coworkers or in official communications. Which says to me, this is coming from the top office. They are all about this, that you have to just, to me, bow down to the craziness of this. Listen, I don't want to offend anyone. And if you want to go and live your life that way, that's fine with me. I don't have to live with you. And I should not be made to be told that the way that I speak mm-hmm. has to change. I should not be made to say that I can no longer refer to my parents as mother and father because it might make somebody else uncomfortable. If you don't want to re- refer to your parents that way, that's your business. I will do it as I see accordingly to what I believe. And that's the big problem with this is... If you want to do this in your own time, your own life, many people say, go, fine, do it. It's none of my business. Just don't force it in the workplace, in the school place. I will talk and say, ladies and gentlemen, if that's how I feel. If you have come to me specifically and said, I want to be, insert whatever here, I will do my best to remember that, but I'm not going to guarantee that I will get it right every single time. These have been widely accepted terms in our society for many decades. Widely accepted. And now this movement is trying to overturn these widely accepted terms almost overnight with these edicts or through shame and intimidation. Mm-hmm. 512-836-0590. You can weigh in with your thoughts. Call or text us. It is 527 with Mark and Melinda. And now, back to The Mark and Melinda Show. Join the conversation at 512-836-0590. Louisiana law enforcement is indicating a 10- and 12-year-old beat to death a little girl. Uh, They're related. 
their moms or sisters, and the moms were off gambling at a casino, having left these two guys and all the other kids home alone with no adults around, and that's when the 10- and 12-year-old beat the little girl to death. Yeah, eight kids in total from 11-month-old all the way to 12 left home while they decide to go gambling. And then you had the two, the 10- and the 12-year-old, beat the three-year-old girl to death. And the other kids witnessing that, calling 911, telling 911 there wasn't an adult there, police arriving, and then finally these, I'm just going to, these loser women show up and they even said, oh, well, we knew that the 12-year-old had a history of violence. Uh, the kids had pleaded with us not to leave him mm. with them. Um, but I guess they just didn't care, obviously, because gambling was more important yes. than these kids. And one of the women admitted to police, yeah, I had seen bruises on one of my daughters before. And, and I knew it was was him, the one with the bad temper. And and yet they went out and left eight kids all alone while they went gambling. Now the, the two moms are facing criminal charges as well. Yeah, the, both of the preteens were charged with battery and second-degree murder, and then both of the women arrested on principal to simple battery and principal to second-degree murder charges. And this probably will come as no shock both have previous criminal records. And there's no telling how many times they had done the same thing, leave them all alone and go to the casino. Uh, and, and so there's no telling what the 10 and 12-year-old guys were watching, just fueling their rage. 10 and 12 years old, and they beat to death a 3-year-old. Where does that come from? Where... I, it is just so implausible. Like, my mind cannot wrap around I know. that. I know, but we're seeing more and more cases like this in the news all the time. That is evil. You can join the discussion, 512-836-0590. You may have heard over the weekend, two police officers and an EMT were shot to death. Now the uh, gunman who killed himself after murdering the law enforcement and the EMT is being identified and he has a prior conviction. Aggravated assault with a deadly weapon in 2008. He's a 38-year-old. He was not supposed to have a firearm, but he did. And he murdered the law enforcement and the EMT when they went out to investigate a call at the home where he was. Uh, this is yet another example of how the justice system is failing everyone. Uh it doesn't say in this story how long he actually spent behind bars for that 2008 uh, felony assault with a deadly weapon conviction. Uh, it is reported that in 2019, though, he petitioned the court to restore his firearm rights, which thankfully they did not do, but not that it mattered because got a gun anyway and into the life of two officers and an EMT. Yeah, he said in his petition to get his gun rights restored, I completed an anger management course and I completed a parenting course. So that that in his mind, he thought that would restore his right to own a gun. Another example of you don't need more gun laws. This person 
didn't have the right, didn't have the right to have a firearm, yet somehow had one. He claimed he had undergone tremendous personal and professional growth since his conviction and was now the father of five children, ages 11 months to 11 years old, when he signed the petition trying to get his gun rights back. And did I read those children were at home when all of this was taking place? Yes. Yes, they were. 512-836-0590. You can join the discussion. Call or text us. Law enforcement in Northeast Texas is reassuring people living in their part of Texas that that new state law giving Texas law enforcement the power to arrest illegal immigrants who cross the border illegally outside of legal ports of entry is not going to result in their arrests in Northeast Texas. There's not going to be a bunch of profiling going on. People don't have things to worry about. This is a story out of Tyler KLTV News. The sheriff and Tyler police have actually been having public forums to try to educate people on the law and reassure them that they really don't have anything to worry about. I I don't even understand why you're doing that. Um, You wouldn't have anything to worry about if you haven't done anything illegally. But I'm going to set that aside. To me, this is only stoking a fear. And again, it's a fear against the police officers, that they're going to be out there trying to, in some way, profile, which I don't even know how you do anymore when we're talking about trying to determine if someone's here illegally. They're coming from all over the world. There isn't a certain look that you're looking for to try to profile against. That's right. They're coming from Europe, from Asia, everywhere. Bianca Smedley is with the Tyler Police Department. She spoke with KLTV. During the traffic stop, we're not going to be asking for citizenship status or anything like that. Not going to be asking for citizenship status. And Larry Smith is the sheriff in Smith County in Northeast Texas. He also spoke about it. DWI can kill somebody just like a bullet can. So DWI and above, absolutely, you're going to have your uh, immigration status questioned. Anything below that, though, he said, no, we're not going to question you about citizenship. Run a stop sign, maybe you're speeding, something like that. No, we're not going to check citizenship. I think it's going to be status quo. Whatever they were doing today, come March 5th, they're going to be doing the exact same thing. And I think that's because this law, really, the focus was the border towns, Um Right where we have the National Guard seeing people walk across, swim across illegally. That's the intention is to capture them there. Immigration attorney Ginger Young in Tyler says, I have clients that have been here 10, 15, 20 years. They're now talking about leaving the United States because of this new Texas law that kicks (laughs) kicks in in March. And again, I'm going to sound harsh on this, but okay, go. To me, you're here 10, 15, 20 years. That doesn't mean that you're an automatic citizen. That just means you've never taken any, doesn't sound like, steps towards trying to fix being here illegally. And now you're mad that there's going to be another law stating Mm -hmm. you really shouldn't be here. Go. Sheriff Smith is also president of the Sheriff's Association of Texas. 
He says he's been talking with a lot of sheriffs, and they all have the same attitude. There's going to be no difference in their counties the day this law takes effect. They're not going to be out there looking for people that they think might be in the country illegally. He says it's just not going to happen. It's just not feasible. Again, how do you even go about determining nowadays? And the whole point of the law was to be focused on the border right there on the border Mm -hmm. where the guard and DPS are located. 512-836-0590. Join the discussion with Mark and Melinda, 541 now at KLBJ. They're live, local, and talking about the stories that matter to you. Share your opinions with Mark and Melinda at 512-836-0590. Now, here are Mark and Melinda. A woman has lost her membership at a gym after she shot video and posted it on social media and mocked another gym member who was working out. I agree with this. I, it That is not what you do. You do not film other gym members that are going there paying money just like you are and then post it on social media. And so, I don't even care if you are saying, look how awesome their muscles are. <laughs> um, that's You don't have the right to, to do that. And I agree with the gym saying, you're no longer welcome here. You need to go find another gym. Yeah, she saw a guy working out without a shirt on. And she said, if you're going to work out topless, at least have some muscles. Uh, and, and she posted the video, and then it got all kinds of responses. Yeah, um, she says that the biggest complaint was not having the shirt on, which is something that the gym allows for. Um, they're okay with, I guess, the guys, maybe the girls, I don't know, uh, taking off their shirts while they work out. That There's no policy against, right. you know, you need a turtleneck on and and snow jeans yes the gym is absolute recomp in texas is this becoming more of a trend where people are shooting videos at, in gyms of themselves or others yeah definitely of themselves because there's a lot of i guess you call them influencers that go in and and film their entire workout for the day and then post it um so i know definitely for that part of it a few years ago, there were, it was a trend of, you saw a lot of them filming other people and putting it on there and making fun of. I, I there, you shouldn't do that, period. I, I know it's a public place and people will be like, oh, well, you can film in there. What kind of person are you that you have to get your jollies from filming someone else who's trying their best? Mm-hmm. They're in there trying to do something. If they're doing something wrong, instead of picking up your phone and filming it, go over and and offer some help. I, I see that you're doing this where it may injure you. Let yes. me show you the proper way to do it or how I've been taught. Something like that. Don't use it as something to make yourself feel better by putting someone else down? I would imagine some gyms now have policies on this. Well, I think there it, is it, it may be Planet Fitness. I may be wrong on the name, but that like that is, that's what they're all about. Like, no shaming, uh, none of that to take place in their gym. And that's, that's really where we need to go to. People are going there and sometimes it takes a lot 
for someone who is struggling with their weight to even take that first step to get in the gym. And the last thing they need is for you to make a fun of them. They're trying. A high school teacher in Hebron is now on suspension. That's in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, the Louisville School District. He On Valentine's Day, he came in dressed in a pink dress, a pink cowboy hat, and pink cowboy boots. Video of his appearance showed up on social media, and some parents were not pleased. So now the principal says, we've got him suspended. He's on administrative leave. Melinda, according to this story, that's not the only occasion he's done something like this, however. Apparently, there have been multiple occasions when he comes dressed as a woman to teach at school. And that's my issue with this story, um, is that if it is true that this person has come several times dressed as a woman and the school did nothing about it, but as soon as you had someone post this on social media, they decide to step up. That says to me that there's no policy in place. They didn't have a problem with this until they got found out that they were allowing for this. And I I don't care for that. You need to set a policy. Either you're going to allow your teachers to dress however they want uh, when they come to school or you're not. And you're going to put in the guidelines just like you have for student dress code. He's been a teacher for 20 years. Other videos show him wearing a a pink tutu to class. Another one shows him at the prom in a woman's red dress. He's down on the floor flopping around. Another time he's at the high school dressed as some kind of a Disney character, like an octopus or a squid or something. And uh, so the school says, we'll get back to you. We'll let you know what, what we've decided here. Well, I think they put themselves in the corner here. If it if they have allowed for him to do this on several occasions without having any conversations with him or saying that this is not appropriate, they've put themselves in a corner now that they're saying we'll decide what we're going to do. And You've allowed is, for it before. Yes. So now what's the problem? And it's possible the principal was intimidated. She didn't want to address this with him. She was worried about some kind of kickback, uh, some protests, et cetera. So she just let it slide. Still, then you got to let it slide this time. You can't say, I'm going to accept it for all of these other times. But now that a parent has found out or the video has circulated on social media, you're going to stand up to it. 512-836-0590. The Community Impact is reporting that the Austin City Council has now adopted a goal They say that by the year 2030, they want half of all of the trips that we are making within the city of Austin to be made on public transit, riding a bicycle, walking, or avoid trips altogether. That's by 2030. That's six years from now, and I will do my part, city of Austin. I will avoid coming to downtown altogether. (laughs) I know, and it won't be hard, will it? Nope, not at all. So uh, this is an official goal and policy they're adopting. They want to cut in half all of the trips that are occurring right now in cars, trucks, SUVs, cut them in half in six years. I would love... So 
if if they do reach that goal, if they are successful, just think about what that means for the city of Austin, for the economy, for the society. That That is a drastically different economy and society. Yeah, I was going to say, I would love to know what businesses in downtown think about this. I, I can't imagine that they would say, oh, well, that'll be a big boom for my business. Go ahead. Let's go. We're on board with this. Yes, or or in any part of Austin, whether it's Anderson Lane, William Cannon, that they're saying they want to cut all, all trips Austin. in half. Yes, in downtown and everywhere. So they don't want you to get in the car and run an errand to go pick up something here and there. They want to they want to eliminate that. They they'll let you do it if you're on a bike or if you're walking or if you use yes, public transit. Cuz I'll go get my monthly groceries for the whole month on a bike. And, I mean, I'm that talented. I can ride a bike and carry 20 <laughs> heavy grocery bags too. <laughs> when it's 105 <laughs> but, outside. Yeah, and and a one of those uh surprise hell attack, you know, hell storms come right. through too. Yes. Not a problem. So now it's starting to come into focus. You've been hearing that the city council is going to ask voters to approve a major bond issue for climate change, at least a billion, probably more than a billion dollars. So what they're probably envisioning is getting as many people as possible to live in government-constructed high-rise buildings, very densely packed in, and so you just walk everywhere or ride a bicycle or ride a streetcar anywhere you go. You don't own your own private vehicle. Again, they're not even going to have to worry with me. I'm, I'm not, I will abide by this, and you will never see me or any dollar I have. <laughs> and they're not bashful about this either. I mean, they're going all the way on this bond issue. It's going to be, I'll bet it's $2 billion. And, and I'll be curious to see how it's worded. If it just straight up says you'll not have the ability to move around the city of Austin unless it's in this way, this way, this way, or this way. Fighting climate change, mm-hmm. saving the planet. That'll do it for today. We're here every weekday, 2 to 6. Mark and Melinda, have a great evening, Melinda. Thank you, you too. Tiger and Kyle, super job producing. Thank you. Have a wonderful evening. The news is coming up next. Dr. Mark Malone from Advanced Pain Care on how the spinal cord stimulator blocks pain signals, bringing patients relief at last. And we're able to tune this device to mimic that frequency and essentially block it. I've seen people shed tears of joy in the recovery room when they wake up from their light anesthesia and we turn this device on and they realize their back pain is gone. They cry for joy. Advanced Pain Care at 512-244-4272 or austinpaindoctor.com.